0: Hi there and welcome to my podcast, Learning with Laura. Here we talk and learn together about development in Canadian society. And today I'm excited to talk to you about a topic that continues to cause quite a stir. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. Today, we're going to be talking about the legalization and decriminalization of cannabis in Canada. This relatively new action by the federal government will be analyzed by first outlining the history and the intentions behind the legalization of cannabis. Then we'll discuss the development approaches that we're taking to address this issue in Canada. For example, a public health approach, top-down community development approach, and Eversley's multi-level and areas of development approach. As a surprise element of this podcast i will also briefly speak with an employee of a licensed recreational cannabis retail store in orleans ontario to hear about his opinion on the federal rollout of cannabis products cannabis has been used for hundreds of years as a natural remedy for various illnesses and afflictions according to dr susan boyd a british columbian author professor and member of the tax force on marijuana legalization and regulation Cannabis was used in the 19th century as an ingredient in many medicines which claimed to treat, and I quote, everything from asthma to stomach ulcers. Boyd says that these products were legal, advertised as plant-based, and could be easily found in catalogs from Sears and the Eaton Center. Smoking cannabis, on the other hand, what was is what was uncommon and considered delinquent during this time period. Boyd explained that cannabis was vilified through the idea of the other the other being foreign individuals coming to Canada with drugs and other dangerous products. Another example of this is the use of opium by Chinese individuals, stereotypes and racist suggestions that Chinese men would influence white women and youth, stealing them from their families to commit crime and become addicted to drugs. As such, race-based policies to criminalize drug use were enacted in both Canada and the United States, policies which included cannabis. Cannabis was officially added to the Confidential Restricted List of Criminalized Drugs in Canada in 1923 as part of the 1923 Narcotics Drug Act Amendment Bill in the House of Commons.
1: Many thought they'd never see the day, but the legalization of cannabis is here and promises to be one of the largest legal, consumer, and cultural shifts this nation has seen in a very long time.
0: On June 19, 2018, the Canadian Parliament passed Bill C-45, the Cannabis Act, to legalize and regulate the production, distribution, and consumption of cannabis. The medical use of cannabis had been present in Canada since the 2001 Marijuana Medical Access Regulations Act in the House of Commons, but this process required a doctor's support and signature before Health Canada permitted you to purchase cannabis from them or provided you with a license to grow your own supply. Legalizing cannabis for the general Canadian population came after years of hinting by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to legalize and decriminalize cannabis in Canada. This was a major action to take both domestically and internationally. In fact, Canada was the first G7 country to take this step. According to Jean-Francois Crepeau in Frontiers in Public Health, this step was taken by the Canadian government as a way to monitor cannabis growth and production through a public health approach. The idea the government had in this case was to basically take cannabis from the unregulated black market and introduce it to legal regulated methods of development and production. In the context of cannabis legalization and regulation, Crepo says that the attribution of a public health approach means that the considerations of risk factors for harm, availability of product, and education are of the utmost importance. Regulation and reporting of growing methods, testing potency, and safe packaging with appropriate warning labels are examples of this development from a public health perspective. If you fast forward to today, March of 2021, you'll see that the federal government's public health approach to cannabis legalization has been realized and handed off to the provincial and territorial governments to manage themselves. In Ontario, the governmentally regulated distribution process comes from the OCS, or the Ontario Cannabis Store. It is on this website and through this company that cannabis manufacturers can post their products and retail businesses can order the products for their stores. The OCS and all other Ontario cannabis companies are heavily regulated by the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario, otherwise known as the AGCO, who ensures that all applicable legislation is followed across the province. Legally, retail sellers in Ontario are required to ID every single person who enters their store, are only permitted to sell up to 30 grams in dried cannabis flower or its equivalent in other forms, and are not allowed to offer discounts on cannabis products or openly advertise cannabis outside their licensed store. Now that we've roughly learned about the history of cannabis in Canada, let's talk about the development approaches that were taken to address this issue in Canada. We spoke earlier about the public health approach to development that CREPO offers in his article on cannabis legalization, but what other development approaches have been used to address this issue? To start, this whole process in which this piece of development took place was through government initiative. This means that it was a state-controlled development, starting with the federal government who created the change to the provincial governments who now control the market for cannabis production and sales. There are four major policy areas for development within state-controlled development, all of which relating directly to two other development approaches known as top-down and bottom-up approach. These two approaches to community development are also discussed in David Hannes and Jason Brown's book on community development in Canada, originally published in 1968. The top-down approach is when a goal and a process are imposed on a community and followed through after sufficient community, political, and financial support is found. So in state-controlled development, um, macro and microeconomic, political, and human resources development policies are examples of this top-down approach. Bottom-up approaches, on the other hand, assume that the community will decide what their goals, objectives, and intentions are for itself. Back to the state-controlled development approach, human development policies are an example of this bottom-up approach. Now, in the context of cannabis legalization, it was 100% a state-controlled development because without the federal government's initiative to legalize it within the House of Commons, it would not have occurred. Whether the motivations behind the state-controlled policy were strictly economic, political, or human development-related can be argued, um, one way or another. But there were components of top-down and bottom-up approaches throughout the whole process. The bottom-up approach was the initial push and argument for the legalization of cannabis. It was the grassroots individuals writing papers and reporting on the benefits of THC and CBD in managing pain, discomfort, mental illnesses, and so on. Community members who spoke to members of parliament, senators, and other lawmakers to discuss all of these things were also taking the bottom-up approach. Alternatively, Prime Minister Trudeau and the Canadian federal government followed a top down approach by coming up with this whole idea and then handing it off to the provinces to come up with the fine details. The regulating bodies, the methods of producing and supplying merchandise, where to source product, who to get to open um, or who gets to open a retail store, what are the age requirements for purchase, and most importantly, the community's support for the policy itself. If we wanted to dive even deeper into this development issue, we can use Eversley's multi-level approach to analyze development issues. In this approach, there are four levels, individual, interpersonal, institutions, and ideology or infrastructure. Cannabis legalization would relate predominantly to the institutions and ideology levels of this approach because it was a major change to the institutions within Canadian government and law, and because of the ideological stigma, stereotypes and ideas on cannabis use had to be influenced in order for this change to take place in the first place. Eversley's areas and levels of development tie into these four levels, further meaning that the cannabis issue would be an institutional and ideological issue related to community and social, political, economic, cultural, and civic areas of development. Cannabis use was a social taboo for decades leading to its legalization, and many people are still opposed to it. Health concerns and youth using cannabis are still large concerns within communities. Changing this perspective amongst the general public is a huge culture shift and will be for a number of generations to come. Economically, the federal and provincial governments are making money by being the only authorized dealers of cannabis, period. You can only make cannabis products if you pay your business fees to the government, and you can only purchase cannabis products if you go to a retail supplier who purchases their products from the government. This becomes a civic issue when you look at the legal side of this and see how many people have been arrested, charged and incarcerated in Canada related to cannabis since its uh, criminalization in 1923. It is really interesting once you start analyzing issues in this way, because you can see how an issue that appears trivial, like weed, can be truly affecting our community and influencing your government, legal system, economy, and community relationships. (laughs) Speaking of community relationships, today we'll be talking to someone from my community who can speak on the impact of this development from the perspective of a retail store. I'd like to welcome my friend Cameron to our show. Hi, Cameron.
1: Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Thanks so much for joining. We have Cameron here with us today because he's a very interesting job. Can you tell us about that, Cameron?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm an employee at a licensed cannabis dispensary called Shiny Bud in Ottawa. And uh, my position is bud tender. And I just get to talk to people about different types of weed and uh, what's going to be best for them. Uh, I started working there in around 2020. And uh, I learned a lot about cannabis, more than I ever thought I really would. Um, because before yeah, I actually got my job, you have to get like this thing called Sell, And it's essentially the equivalent of Smart Serve for alcohol in Ontario. So you can't sell without it. Um, this course doesn't really authorize me to give any medical advice, just to be clear. I always have to tell everyone that, um, no matter what their questions are. Um, so while I know a lot about now about medical benefits of cannabis, um, you should still speak to your doctor if you have any medical related questions.
0: That's really interesting. I've learned a lot doing my research for this podcast as well. I also didn't realize how many components there are to think about with cannabis. Can you talk to us about what um, impacts, like social impacts you've noticed as well as someone who sells recreational cannabis? You mentioned medical recommendations. Are there a lot of people who come in looking for products for medical issues?
1: Yeah, so one of the biggest motivators for cannabis legalization was the health benefits, right? Uh, Now that it's so accessible on the recreational side, people who would have spent a weeks or a couple of months even uh, getting their forms filled out by their doctors and uh, get that actually has a medical license and giving them the products, um, now they can just come into the store and get it in 15 minutes. Uh, we see a lot of people suffering from chronic pain though, um, often seniors uh, who come in just to get like CBD creams to put on their skin or oils uh, just to ingest really quickly. Um, and you don't often see them smoking, really, truly. Um, what we mostly see, though, uh, is a bigger acceptance of, for cannabis in the community. Um, seniors come in and tell us that uh, their grandchildren told them to talk to us about CBD for their joint pain. Um, people come in all the time to buy edibles and drinks to give us gifts to their friends, uh, the same way people would go to like the LCBO and buy wine as a housewarming present or something like that. Um, we've also, uh, had a lot of people come in to buy cannabis, um, and they end up, uh, telling their friends, um, about, uh, uh, how they got arrested in the eighties or something for having a gram in their pocket. It's crazy. There's still so much st- stigma around it in the end because of just, it's still a drug and it still gets you impaired to a certain extent. Um, so depending or, but depending on which type of drug you use, um, But uh, there's a difference between what the government says is legal and is okay, and what people have believed for generations and what they think is okay to do. Um, Cannabis is still a faux pas for a lot of people.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for your insight. Hearing about how you've seen the impact of cannabis legalization was really insightful for this podcast because the development of policy really just comes down to community. There are definitely positive and negatives to cannabis use in general, but the impact it has had on society and our legal system has been incredibly interesting to see. Thank you again so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: One exciting show we had today. We learned about the history and progress of cannabis legalization in Canada, the various development approaches which can be applied to this issue, and heard directly from someone who works in the industry. I hope you had as much fun as I did and I hope you tune in again soon.